0: Hello and welcome to the D&D 420 Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better Dungeon Master. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I am a struggling Game Master trying to figure out how to tell a better story. Joining me shortly is Jimmy Shields. He is the creator of D&D 420 and an avid D&D fan for over 30 years' experience. In this episode, we go over the characters that I had created uh, from the last episode and dive into the importance of creating characters mainly about the background and story of those characters rather than the stats that they actually have. One of the things that I was trying to keep a secret or at, you know, at arm's length with this game was the actual game that I am creating and the reason for that was because after we get done with this and the game is set and we get ready to play Jimmy is actually going to be one of my players. So I was trying to keep as much information away from him as possible that way when we get to playing he won't be so he'll be he'll still be surprised as to what's going on. So um we kind of decided to go a different route with that um and I'm just going to start redacting information from him uh and trying to keep the inf- the homework that he gives me Uh, more general as possible but yet we're still going to talk about the universe and stuff that we're playing in so the game that we're creating is a game built in the star wars universe that's going to take place between episodes five and six and we're going to be the the players are going to be are going to be part of the rebellion Um, so now it's a little bit easier to talk about so everybody knows all right so I created my three characters. Uh, The one character uh, was the character that I thought I would be more likely to play. Uh, The second character is a character that may show up more often than not, maybe a handful of times uh, for uh, give and take information. And then the third character is just kind of a nondescript, like you were saying, like a shop character with, I think, kind of an interesting, um, kind of a quasi-attribute that may or may not, to you know change the situation that they're um that the players would get in um so first off i want to describe the issues that i had and then maybe we can kind of talk through it so creating a character (laughs) creating a character that i'm going to play is very difficult for me because there's a lot of things that i want to do there's a lot of characters i want to play with a lot of facets and a lot of Um, different abilities and feats and skills and stuff. So for me, picking a character is probably one of the most difficult parts of the game, which is, I don't know if you ever noticed, but like anytime we play a game in your world or whatever the world may be, I always ask you, like, first off, what kind of character do you need?
1: I like to do that too. I'm a big fan of doing that because... I, I'll play anything and if nobody wants to be the healer, I'll be the healer. If nobody wants to be the tank, I'll be the tank. I get
0: it. Right. So, in this instance, as a DM, I'm struggling with the character that I want to play because I already know how this game is going to end. And, well, let me take that back. I have an idea of how this game's going to end. And I feel like the character that I'm creating, I don't want to create a character that's Perfect. I don't want to create a character that is obviously going to be too overpowered. I don't want to create a character that um, wins the day over the PC. Exactly. And now you're
1: facing the same problem that a lot of DMs face. Let me just tell you that right now. Uh, this is a huge debate on a lot of the ND forums as well, whether to play an NPC or not to play an NPC. Because, and the, I struggle with it too, because I like playing an NPC, so I can. Role play when the group gets role playing. I want to roleplay too. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so a lot of
1: times, especially in one of my current games where it gets rolling and they they're in the middle of nowhere, there's no people around for miles, and they're by themselves and they just get into a role playing session around the fire. It's all I can do to be like feel you know, the ground shake. You know, like, and try to put in a little mood thing because there's an earthquake going on. They just kind of ignore it because there's earthquakes all the time. Right. So I, I know what you mean. I want to play a character too. A lot of DMs want to, but how much do you get to play is the question. So you got to really make a character that is more interesting or might be more stat-driven for the group. Like, what are they missing? You know, like, are they, oh, they don't have a skill thing? Well, let, let me play the skill thing. That way they can get through locked doors. They can figure out puzzles. They can crack, in your case, crack computers or fix ships or something. Um, so, you know, if, if they don't have that. And that's what I typically do. But what I've been doing is providing a few options in gameplay over the course of a session or two you'll meet several characters, and I'll kind of role-play them up a bit and let the group choose who they're going to interact with the most. And it usually becomes pretty one-sided, where I get to play all three characters fairly regularly. Um, But you do have to be careful, because you don't want to overshadow anybody, you don't want to steal the day, and often, if I end up playing like a rogue like you've made here, where you've made a scout, which is like the star Wars version of a rogue in D and D. Right. Uh, it's great because you get to control what's going to happen in the game. Don't make anything. The scout does the most important thing and you're fine.
0: So that's kind of what I was struggling with once I built the character. Cause I was like, wow, this character is really cool. And like, again, it's a character that I'd like to play, but I also don't know what my players characters are going to be. And, if one of those characters wants one of the, if one of those players wants to be like this scout, this rogue um, that goes ahead to to kind of see the lay of the land, then I feel like I've kind of wasted my time. Does that make sense? Like I should. So when creating these characters for this game, should I wait until the players have decided, or should I just do what you just suggested, which was make you know three or four different characters?
1: You took the words right out of my mouth. You should wait. Um, now it's okay to make a bunch of different personalities, and that's what this is all about. You know, how do I save time? How do I have the best prep work? And that's kind of you know I kind of gave you this this task to see what you would do. Um, you did a little too much work on your main NPC. That's not a bad thing. What you really all only needed is that little backstory. And I'll make a few backstories like that, maybe a name and uh, profession or quirks, character quirks. What, what's the interesting thing about this guy? You know, we could say like, oh, well, this is his name is Han Solo and he's uh, and he's a smuggler and he has this uh, cool ship. And he's got a cool story about how he got this ship done. Oh, he's chaotic, neutral, whatever the case may be done don't have to do anything else then you make another one okay this guy's name is Darth Maul he had a troubled childhood right? he He fights with this double weapon Um, he's got a cool looking outfit whatever the case may be done Um, make a bunch of those
0: so you're saying like when it comes down to the actual stats like you're leaving that to the very end
1: it's the last thing I do, almost in everything I write. Gotcha. I will spend, personally, weeks on backstory, because otherwise I would just be writing anyway. That's just what I like to do. Not everybody likes to do that, but these little one, um, one paragraph things that you got about each of these NPCs is great. That's all you need. The backstory there. Hey, he turned down, turned rebel against the Empire did it for fame and money the things he's interested in the people that he's affiliated with and a personality trait that's excellent this guy owns a bar he hears a lot of chatter He's so you're saying he's privy to information um, that's, that's good he, and he has a hateful view of a specific type of people that's perfect that's enough
0: okay so I was, because I, this, that, that first NPC, like I I rolled dice. Like I did, I know I re-rolled ones and twos. Like I did the whole character creation. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm going to take this. Literally. I'm going to take this as me making this character. And I was, I was about halfway through it. And I was like, I'm making this guy who I may never play because one of the players may want to be this scout. They want to maybe be this rogue character. And not to say that a, group doesn't necessarily need two rogues, but it kind of the, it the, it'll there's too many spokes. You know what I mean? Like there's too many other right. classes that can make the group whole, I guess is what I'm trying to get to.
1: I think when you get good at um, doing this, what you'll end up with is something like this. What I did for my party, I have four NPCs here. It took me five minutes to make. And I rolled randomly for a couple of these. There's a guy named Murph. Murph Grizzledust. He's excitable, he's smart, and he's pretentious. That's all I have for Murph. Scoby is nosy, kind of obscene, and cross. Scobie is a rogue. Murph was a ranger. Schnaggle Coppervane. He's constricting, unsympathetic, but he's versatile Versatile in his casting. Knows tons of spells. And Canelli who's very alert, but really sensitive and touchy, and is a scout. So I've got these four, and they're in a town, and the characters can meet any one of them depending on where they go. That's all I have for them. If they want to get into combat or whatever, I might click on some pre-generated stats if it comes down to it, or even just ignore them getting into a combat for that session. Oh, you met Murph and you really liked him? You want him to come with you? That's the option you took. Okay, the next session we're going to have a combat encounter. Murph will be involved. He'll know a little something. He'll give you a little piece of advice. And he'll be a level below the characters. He'll be uh, he'll be pretty good at what he does, but the characters are going to be ultimately the heroes of the day. I just enjoy playing Murph. He's got some funny things about him. He's really excitable. He's really intelligent. But at the same time, he's pretentious. You know, So he's got these neat things that came up at random on on a chart. By the way, that chart that I used is called a 1,000 NPC Trades. I don't know who made that, but thank you. It's amazing, and they're numbered. You don't have to go random. You can pick, but just having that there as a reference tool so you can scroll through it, well, you can come up with combinations that are real and alive and fun to roleplay.
0: So that was going to be my next question. So... It sounds like the your priority is more about the the mindset of the character, the maybe the backstory of the character, and some interesting traits, and like the stats, for the most part, mean very much point, less
1: at this point in the creation. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't put the cart before the mule. Okay. So right now, all we're trying to do is rustle up a group and. Turn them on with some uh, cool ideas in this neat area that we're going to play in, right? That's all we really want to do. let get people excited to play, right? Right. And, and write a little story together. So having a few backstories for nine different people might take you the same time as making one NPC.
0: Yeah, from like start to finish. Yeah, for sure. Correct.
1: So later on you might figure out which ones you want to stat out based on what the party picks and where you might want to place those and how many stats do they really need. You don't have a lot here, so that's the good news. You have the the bones, the bare necessities, skills, feats, and abilities. So that's great. You didn't go into too much crazy detail. So that's, that's the good news. Um, Later on, you might find that you do this for three or four NPCs total.
0: So, okay, where do you... Personally, where do you get your inspiration um, for characters? Like, do... Let's say you have an idea for a story, and you have an, an idea where it's going to go, and you're like, okay, well, I need to fill this... I need to fill this story full of characters. Do you... Look for things that you see out in everyday life, people that you know, or are some of the characters specific to the story that you're trying to tell? Does that make sense?
1: Both. I do both. I, um, I might watch a movie and get an idea for a character based on another character. I, I don't ever recommend copying characters, although you can, and no one is the wiser most of the time if you just reskin that character, you take their personality or something you like about that character and you reskin them. Most of the time people don't know, know any of the wiser. It doesn't matter. Um, But you just have a colorful NPC and sometimes they do know. And it's funny that they pick it out and they're like, ah, you know, that's just like so-and-so from such and such. Right. But I also do say, um, recently I made a, a guy I met online into an NPC. He was just a cool guy. We shared some positive discourse about some D and D related things. And I said, I'm totally putting you in my world, dude. And put him in my world.
0: Almost like he's immortalized in your world. He's immortalized. <laughs>
1: However, he's dead now,
0: but oh, <laughs> so.
1: these things happen. Um, it uh, Yeah. If you've got a colorful friend, put them in your world. Why not? But try not to put the friend of all the friends playing, because they'll know who you're doing, and that's not great.
0: Um, stick out like a sore thumb, I guess. Yeah. Um, I have
1: put, put you in many of my games, but no one's ever known.
0: Really? No, I'm making that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. There's no way <laughs> to... Don't don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Um, <coughs> Let's talk um, something that's uh, actually—it's probably not top of mind, but uh, it's definitely in the news. So, what what is your opinion of the Game of Thrones style of characters, where um, regardless of how much time you put into them and how much you've tried to make them a point in the story, you kill them off? You know, so like
1: in in my realm, we don't call it the Game of Thrones style characters we call it the jimmy style characters okay. or game of Thrones. must have been playing in my game at some point so no um yeah. i fully support it i invest a ton of time into playing an npc just to have them killed off making an npc I, that just immortalizes them it just does more for the npc when it's all said so I'm all about it, because still to this day, who's, in your opinion, who was the most righteous person in Game of Thrones history? Ned Stark.
0: Right. Yeah, and he died in the first book.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely Ned Stark. Because he didn't have a chance to be corrupted later on, you know? So he had to die when he did. Otherwise, he might be an evil killing bastard that you don't really care for anymore. I don't know, because that's the only way you stay alive. Game of Thrones, and that's the only way you stay alive. If, look, I mean, if people want to play uh, neutral evil NPC, or not NPCs, but characters, people want to play a neutral evil character, you got to do so with tact, or you're going to die yourself. And I feel the same way about NPCs. I'm not going to say... I'm trying to have this element in my game personally. And I know a lot of DMs don't like this. And I know a lot of players don't like this. Hell, a couple of years ago, I had some really good friends who are great D&D players that didn't care for my game because it was too realistic. I I don't like to use the word realistic, but I do like to use the word believable. I like my game to be believable. I want because I want to touch on emotions. I want you as a player, Eric, in my game to feel emotions through your character as your character. That's my goal, because then we've truly gotten into things that we can't do in real life. And and it's an awfully nice thing to walk.
0: Through. No, I agree. I mean, that's because, um, again, at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to what I feel is the heart of D&D, which is just telling a really cool unique story that everybody gets to be a part of and I feel like when it comes to character building you always want a character that is going to last forever you know who's going to be the hero as a player but for a a DM the idea is a little different like you you want the your your group to do some really cool shit and have a lot of fun and you know create a cool story but the characters that i create as a dm are at the end of the day are really just ex- i mean they're ex- they're expendable
1: absolutely they are and yeah, the thing, what the- you really want to do as a dm is keep everybody on track that's that's really what you hope to be able to do and do it in a creative way that doesn't feel like railroad
0: right so what are some of the advantages we touched on a little bit earlier but so what are like, some of the really core advantages that we can take away from having an NPC that would be played by the Dungeon Master?
1: Okay, we'll go over advantages and disadvantages. The advantages are you get to have somebody in the group who might be in the know about things that they've missed, which is nice. And They might say something in a way that doesn't make them seem like the hero or the solver of everything. So if you are going to give a bit of information, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you do so in a fun way, in character. Don't just be like, "Okay, hey guys, you missed it. The trap's over here." Just right. don't, you know, right. but maybe do it in character a little bit, a little bit more fun. Did you ever think to look over here? What I found, maybe found something else in that area that might give the characters an opportunity to see what they've missed. Or sometimes, if it's their their uh, forte as an NPC, maybe they do have the answer, and that's okay too. Sometimes, but not all the time, and not in every situation. If you do it once in a in a day, it's it's enough. Because again, you want the players to be winning, the players, because when they win, like you said, everybody wants their character to be the big hero. Everybody wants their character to live forever we put all this time into it to make the character and come up with a background. Well, we'll talk about that later. But um, and then you play 15 sessions and you're halfway into the three and your character dies. No, I've had it happen. It sucks, but also it can be some of the best stories. But I digress back to what we were talking. I do that. This is D&D 420.
0: That's what happens. <laughs> You <laughs> know it so, going in. You know it going in.
1: You know, yeah, you knew. It. It's called twenty. So, another advantage is the DM gets to play. I get to play too a little bit. Not necessarily throwing bones with everybody and overcoming the bad guy, but I get to play. For me, that's my favorite part of the game. If we don't ever roll any dice, I'm having just as much fun. So I think that's the number one advantage to having an NPC in the game is you get to interact with the characters as a character, in character. And that and promoting role play is what it's all about. You can ask questions that push them in directions. You can you can do all sorts of things. It's just a ton of
0: them. So what are some of the disadvantages? Because, like, in my mind, like, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but, like, the disadvantage would be, like, forcing the story forward, where it's like, no, look at this, or, oh, I suddenly got a message from blah, blah, blah. And it's like, a lot of that is obviously heavy-fisted, and the creativity to be able to do that um, in a meaningful way without, again, being heavy-fisted, I feel like is probably going to just... Come from, you know, playing more. The more playing you do, or even, even more basic things, just like you know, like reading interesting books or watching an an, a well written movie, or um, you know, listening to um, a podcast about somebody who's um, talking about you know stories and uh, creating um, worlds out of nothing, basically. Um, Much like this one. Much like this one, uh, but yeah,
1: you don't want to roll, yeah, you don't want to railroad your crew, don't want to make them feel like there's only one choice, uh you don't want them to feel like they're one upped either that's a disadvantage, huge disadvantage because we talked about that already as well, but that's the biggest one to me, well, railroading is huge too, but the biggest thing is don't save the day with the nPC. You can make a statement with the NPC, say, "Oh, look, he's a badass." You can best them once maybe, but don't do it all the time. Don't make them feel like that your character, like you're the DM and you got the toughest character and you're forcing the character to come along and he has all the best ideas. Don't ever do that. Then you're it's go write a book. You know, don't DM. Go write a book if it's your your story and your character and you're the big winner and you're the bad guy. Just don't. That's that's the huge drawback, and that's what people are afraid of as players. And and like I said, this has been I've noticed it's a hot topic of debate in many forums that I'm a part of. And just yesterday or the day before or whatever it was, I saw it going on. You know, what do you guys think about a DM player? That's DMPC, right? like oh god no it's not a dm pc it's an npc for a reason it's a non-player character it's just another cog in your world it can be a bigger cog that you have fun role-playing don't make it a pc
0: yeah because from somebody on the outside looking in or somebody new coming into this like it can seem like a Having that kind of character that the DM is playing, it's kind of a jack of all trades. Like, oh, this is this is my Swiss Army knife. This is I can heal. Have the answer right. for everything, and
1: right. as, it seems fun,
0: right? Who doesn't want to be all knowing? Well,
1: that's not what your job is. Either be a player or be a DM. That's the that's the thing to take away from all this. You can't be both. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't games out there where people do this and they don't have their fun and, and they and they all do it maybe I've been in a game where there was two players I was a kid when I did this with a, a, my good friend Aaron we were both the DM and we were both a player we took turns to one scenes I mean if that's your if that's your dig then do it but a general rule is gonna say, be a DM or be a player as you know, we're all grown up now. Don't waste your time railroading and one upping and, you know, just be a DM.
0: I feel like um, creating the characters because I was so focused on the stats and stuff and the feats and skills and like what weapons and stuff that I, you get so bogged down creating these characters and it's like god i just want to play this game like i just want to create this character i want to create this story and just like i want to go out and play and when you're looking at the dungeon master's guide and you're reading it and even the player's handbook like it's i mean it's nothing but stats and charts and tables and right that this. stuff's
1: already made for you don't spend too much time And there are stuff random stat blocks. You know what makes an NPC really cool? is not the stats. It's how you play the NPC and what it means to the story. That's what makes an NPC cool and memorable. Because those stats, you can have the most generic stats straight out of the book. And if you play it well and it means something to the storyline, they're going to love that character. I found out with this Gladiator game I did. I had something like 27 NPCs and they were at a gladiator school, a Lutus. And so there had to be the guy who owned it. The, and there had to be the guy that was the teacher there. And then there had to be the guards and there had to be all of these kick-ass gladiators, including a champion and somebody who challenges the champion. And then the players come in. So many of those NPCs were the same stats, Exactly. And I might give them a different weapon. Why? Because I had 27. I've got three of them that are these stats and this level. Three of them that are these stats and this level. I might mix it up a little bit. But, I mean, they're cookie cutter because there's 27 gladiators here. I'm not going to make a character sheet for 27 gladiators. I made a character sheet for seven of them, I think. Then I made shorter stat blocks for every, all the rest of them. Just like you might do for a monster, but some of those side characters had such personality, randomly determined off of a chart, that was a little bit of a challenge for me. It was super fun having to play these guys. I, I had them hanging all around me. I, I had like I was in the war room of NPCs, just hanging all around me on the walls and and on my desk, and. When they would talk to one, I'd have to look over at it and see what it was and kind of remember the voice. I'd have notes about the voice I would do and just try to remember the essence of it. And it was a, it was a killer challenge for me, and they loved it. The, their favorite ones were those side NPCs with like cool quirks and cool voices or whatever. Yeah, just
0: nothing but personality.
1: Nothing but personality. Never even rolled a die for that character because half the time they were on lockdown and that's when that character shined. As an NPC, just during lockdown because he was the guy that complained the most. And if you ask those guys about it, I guarantee you they mentioned that guy. And he was a level two warrior. A stat block straight out of the book. Had nothing but three personality traits one of them was a complainer and he was funny they love that (laughs) that's all you
0: needed a complainer who's funny
1: yeah and he was kind of stupid he had a low intelligence and a low wisdom
0: so i was actually getting ready to mention that um i'm sure i've said this before but like this isn't my first game this is however many games now and i Obviously, I'm always learning. I'm still learning new things, but I feel like I realized today when I was looking back over the notes that I sent you about the characters that I created that, and it's more apparent to me now that you you start talking about how I did more work than I should have. It's you know it's mainly about the personality and the backstory. the The personality and the backstory help dictate what skills, what feats, and sometimes like what um abilities you're going that character is going to have based on that personality.
1: Absolutely, man. And so at this part of the game, let's not focus on those feats and stats. Let's focus instead on quick characters that are interesting so we can get to writing the story. That's the important takeaway from today is now we've now that we've got and I would encourage you to make a bunch more names with a I'll put a name a job title, a class, and a couple of personality quirks. I might throw an alignment on there. And then later on, I might take these guys, once I get a story, and start to pick out NPCs. Like, you've already got a story, so this is easy. You're making NPCs that you need for your storyline. So now we need to know, okay, what are the what are the actions that are going to be taken by the players in the beginning? Where are they? So we've got, we got a few NPCs now start working on where we are a bit more deeply. I know you've already got your place chosen and that's where we are on NPCs. But let's get deeper there. Let's pick a place where we can put these NPCs, a very specific place. And it's going to be just like making these NPCs. Let's give that these places atmosphere. Let's give these places color. Let's do some things, not stat-wise, not not too deep. You know, maybe a street name a city name to go with it, a feel, things that we can all relate to, things we've seen before, like these, like this Murph Grizzledust. The reason people loved him is he was the excitable, smart guy. We all know an excitable, smart guy, right? Who's excited to share his information with you and add pretentious on it, and it's a lot of fun. And this is something we can relate to, though. We all know somebody like him. Let's put some places out there that we've all been to. And that way, when we're in character, and they have to be cool places, it has to be something that can leave a mark on you. That way, when the event happens, it feels like we're there with this guy and we can relate to it. So that's the next challenge, I think, is to come up with a couple of locations now that we're going to do some of the first encounters in. But not
0: stats. We're not that far yet. Okay, definitely. So I'll probably... I'll probably come up with maybe three more NPC backgrounds um, just because I'm in the mood to write those down. (laughs) Um, Uh,
1: Also, when you're doing that, another thing I want to mention, I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but I'll write 20 names down. And then across from those names, I'll write 20 things that might make a difference in my game because you've already got an idea of what's going on. So there might be somebody who is a risk-taker. might be somebody who has a badass weapon. And you're not necessarily matching that to the name yet. So you might be like, this is Murph, and he's a gnome. This is Scobie, and he's a dwarf. This is Bob, and he's a titan. But then across the way, totally unconnected, you've got a guy with a badass weapon. you got the guy who has a lisp. You could put a couple funny things, things that are serious to the story, um, and, w- and you make a list of those things. So let's go with two lists as well. Put 10 on each. You can roll a d10 if you want to. If you, now, the reason we're making this, and let me tell you the most important thing, is that your characters, your players, will walk up to just anybody on the street and start talking to them, and you will not expect it. Okay. It's going to happen.
0: No, yeah, that's that's huge.
1: <laughs> You'll have a cheat sheet to add things into the story or give a little clues because you have this. They walk up to a lady. you got a few lady names on that list. They walk up to a human. There's a few humans on this. They walk up to a smuggler. Ah, oh, I got a guy who's a smuggler here. You get to talking to him you might have something on the other side that now you feel like needs to go with them. Roll for it. There's 10 on the list. Roll a D10. Why not? It's a challenge as a storyteller. It gives you something that makes it feel like to the players that you planned for this, and it seems magical. So do that as well.
0: So 10 that character names. Well.
1: Maybe with race or profession, whatever you want.
0: And then 10 traits. Okay. Okay. And then, Ten, the f- yeah, the f-
1: things, traits, things about that character that make them interesting. Um, story plots or hooks, bits of information they might know.
0: Okay, and then the first setting.
1: I would do a couple, yeah. Okay. Try to try to do a couple, because once you get your characters, all of these NPCs, and you've got a couple of events and now we have a couple of places. After that, we're going to start tying it all together. You don't need to have an idea. My method, you don't need to have an idea. You don't need to be like, hey, I'm going to write this story about slaying a dragon. A dragon has come to the realms, and he swoops down, and all these things happen. You can do that as a storyteller, but you don't need to. A lot of people ask me, um, how do you even come up with sometimes i don't i just start writing cool characters and i start tying them together and those characters write the story for you. these places write the story well what is this cool smuggler that you've written or this cool uh scout that you've written and now that he's in this place that you're going to write this week what would he do there and now you, the story is writing itself
0: you all right what i mean absolutely
1: So with the ideas that you've got that you want to keep secret from me because I'm going to be a player in it, these things will help you embellish your story as well. So if you've already got a cool idea, this isn't the type of thing that's just for people who don't have ideas. Adding more to your story is never a bad idea because this side flavor that we've created, these lists and all these extra NPCs, you're going to be thankful you did it later because it only takes a few minutes and if you don't use them, you can put them aside. And I put up all of mine on index cards. And I'll have an index card with five NPCs. Once I've used it, I set it aside, and I may have made character sheets for them then, or I may have done something else with them. The Then the the card becomes next to useless, because I've used everything on Right. But then I've got right. ten more of these cards that I haven't even touched. If I don't use them in this game, there's no levels here, there's no, nothing here that I can't reuse somewhere else. And if there's things on the like, the plotline stuff on the opposite side from the character names, I can take that stuff off and fill in the blanks and reuse this. That's just another way to save you a ton of time, man. Just a ton of time. I see DMs wasting so much time writing way more than they need to because they don't even know if the characters are going to pay attention. It's the number one complaint that I hear from DMs on DMs-only websites and posts and forums is my characters didn't do what I think they were going to do. We can solve that. We don't have to fall into that every single time. After 30 years of doing this, I learned how not to fall into my trap because it used to be that I'd write big, cool, elaborate stories. My players would go the opposite way. They'd run from it. It sounds too dangerous and scary. We want to go over here and dance with these fairies. Okay. <laughs> right. So those fairies could have something to do with the story Story next time. We'll just have to talk about it in a few weeks when we get to that point. Characters aren't doing what you think they would be. But for now, we'll work on these um, these key locations. I would do two or three of them. Depends how much time you want to spend on it. Don't spend too much time on either of these. You've learned that from the NPCs. Just enough that you can create a feel and ambiance uh, connected to something we All right. sense
0: And I think that'll get us
1: into the next.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the dd 420 podcast. For everything d d 420 related, check out dnd420.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us there on the website and on YouTube at dnd and 420. Lastly, as always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do that by telling another DM about the show and by visiting us on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and review. Thanks for subscribing and being a part of our work here at d and 420. We will see you next week.